Welcome to the Known Legacy Podcast, by Dads for Dads, coming at you from the Lone Star State Cigar Shop in Allen, Texas. For more info, go to www.knownlegacy.org or look for us on social media under Known Legacy. Now here's your host, Bill and Travis. So the other day I was uh, trolling the interwebs and, uh, you know, because I had a thousand things to do, so I figured I'd I'd go down the rabbit hole of YouTube. (laughs) And uh, just see what happens. And I stumbled across something. I don't even know how I got there, but I stumbled across something. And if you if was it Black Harry Tongue? <laughs> no, it was. Uh, no, I've I've actually banned that search from my search <laughs> engine. Um, I feel like I had to go confess that too to my kind of people. Like, you'll see this in the history. Trust me. It just just don't look. Don't you don't, don't need to put that look. in here. Don't look. So, but anyways, so if you haven't done a YouTube search of Bot Fly. B O T fly, don't. Which now I know half of you will, and that's cool. That's cool. That's cool. But it is so. If you don't know what it is, it's it's this fly, um, and I, I would wager to bet it's probably in the the rainforest because everything gross and ugly comes from the rainforest, and uh, except for bananas, those are pretty cool. Those are pretty good. And uh, and what it does is it lands on it lands on the host, whoever the host is, and it it uh, plants its egg under the skin. And then that's, that, that egg starts to grow as a, as a larva. And uh, it, it fell. Oh, no. <laughs> so gross. And, and what it does is it creates like a bump on the skin with a hole because the larva needs to breathe. And this thing grows inside there. And it's it like gets infected and it's all gross. And someone needs to remove it. If you don't remove it right, you leave part of it behind, you can like get really infected and sick. And it is just the most disgusting. It's like, it's like, when you were in junior high and you had to pop the pimple that was on the tip of your nose yeah. or right in like the crevice of your nose oh, and your upper worst. lip right there. Or last week. Right. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> I've been a little stressed lately. <laughs> but but it's like it's like alive. And just the thought of this living thing is sucking on you from the inside out and you have to get it like removed what is the most disgusting thing. And and to see them pull oh, I would rather watch like a Freddy or Jason movie yeah. than watch that again. <laughs> the slasher movie than watch the So the botfly is 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 disgusting. And the reason why I bring that up is cuz I today we're going to unpack something that I think is growing under the skin of most of us and we don't even know it. It's just right underneath the skin and we think we got it under control. We think we we've maybe, you know, managed it or forgotten about it, but the truth is it's still there. It's still festering and it's infecting parts of our lives that we don't even realize. Yeah, we are talking about forgiveness today. And I think that... Or lack of forgiveness. Or lack of forgiveness. Yeah. I guess that's it. You know, um, this is heavy on my heart because I think sometimes I, I struggle with this. Oh, yeah. Certain parts, but, but not, even, not even just this general way like, oh, somebody wronged me, but just even on the road... You know, when someone cuts me off and I just can't just let it go. Right, right. So so I'm, I saw <laughs> oh, in my life. I swear to you. The other day, okay, so we just got back from our trip to Florida. Had a great time there. Loved it. The The Hurricane Alicia or Alberto was coming in. I don't know. And, uh, you know, on those long road trips, it was about a 12-hour road trip. Some guy cuts me off. And, and we're still traveling the same way. And li- literally, I, like, took it upon myself to wrong him the way he wronged me. And so, like, I'm speeding up. I'm now going Was 75. Was I driving your car? <laughs> I'm driving. And, 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 you know, we get up to the stoplight because, you know, we're, like, rural Alabama. And I'm like, nah, 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 nah. I'm in a minivan. 
by the way. Okay, with my family in there. And I'm like looking over like, oh, yeah, we're going to go. We're going to settle this right here, right now. Me, the minivan, and you. (laughs) And it was (laughs) – my wife looked over and was like, seriously? Seriously, we're doing this right now? I was like, yeah. Oh, yeah, we're doing this. We're doing this because he cut me off, and by God, he needs to know I'm as fast as him. He what was he driving? Oh, he was driving like a Dodge Charger or something. I was going to say, because what was the comparison? <laughs> something, something that literally, first gear, he was three miles ahead of us. <laughs> yeah. and, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> right. So I had to pull off. Kids, get out and push. <laughs> oh, so bad. Uh, kids, lean forward on this one. We need to lean forward together at the same time. Exactly. Okay, it's like the Flintstone car. Yeah, and, and as soon as it was done, you know, we we finally pulled over and, and you know, we had a bathroom break and he got a few miles ahead of us. I'm like going, God, I, I am, I'm in my 40s. Haven't I figured this out yet? Like, like what is wrong with me? <laughs> what is wrong with me? <laughs> what did I do wrong? <laughs> but it's funny. It's just, it, it's everywhere. And so I know it's it's a big thing in my life. And obviously, now we're just doing it mainly for you now because you're so screwed up. <laughs> um, but I, but I just it, we, it, it's all over the place, and it um, and and it feeds into our legacy. Yeah, and that's kind of what we want to talk about today. You know, I heard this heard this example. So here I'm drinking my coffee, and uh, and it's this whole idea of um, you know this the, the the example was it wasn't about coffee, but this is what's in front of me. And if I was to hold this cup of coffee up for you know two minutes, I could probably handle it. Um, I mean, because my biceps are so huge, probably 10 minutes, right. no, not, not at all. But the longer... Why are you breathing heavy right exactly. now? Exactly. <laughs> and, uh, but the, so if I was to hold it up for, for an hour, it would, it would start to really wear, worry my arms. Right, right. And then if someone was to say, you need to hold this up for 24 hours, my arm would be dying. I'd be dead. Right. I'd be screaming. I'd be crying like, oh my gosh, I got to hold this up. And it's just a cup of coffee. It's just a cup of, Like the weight has never changed. Right. It's remained the same. But yet the wear on me has just destroyed me. That in my life is what lack of forgiveness feels like. Right. Where I keep holding on to something and it's only hurting me. Yeah. It's not really hurting the other person. Now, there are times that people are waiting to hear, I forgive you. But the, the greater majority that I've had in my own life, at least in my life, 85% of, no, I'm just kidding. The greater majority in my life and possibly in your life, you know, for, for those who, who are listening, is this unforgiveness in yourself towards somebody or something that, that you just need to let go. And so I, I, but I struggle with it. I struggle with just letting it go and forgiveness. Right. So for me, I keep going back to what does God's character say about forgiveness? Like right. what? How was he as a forgiving God, or what? What did he say about about forgiveness? Well, and I, I, and as you bring that up, immediately I'm remembering. Unfortunately, there's still things that I've done in my past that I haven't forgiven myself for. And it's amazing. Like I'll forget about them, and I'll move on from them. But for whatever reason, I still like it's a two thirty, three o'clock in the morning. Wake up, and all of a sudden it comes. Yeah. And I'm like going, what? Like so, you know. The, I don't know. Um, when I was in junior high, uh, I was seventh grade, and my best friend was in eighth grade. He was my next door neighbor, and he's like my brother to me. And we rode the same bus together. We went to the same school. It was a, a magnet school in Rockford, Illinois. I was in the theater arts program, and he was the smart kid. And there was another kid on our bus, and uh, this kid was was probably smarter than the whole bus put together. And uh, the problem was, he was in eighth grade, and he always carried a, a calculator. And uh, he wore a uh, pocket protector. 
Now, you and I both know that if you wear a pocket protector, that's like a big bullseye on your, on your, on you. It's just a bullseye, you know? And so my buddy and I, we were, we were cantankerous this day, and uh, we were getting kind of antsy, and we were riding home uh, in the middle of winter, and so the bus floor was full of, like, snow that was on boots but had melted, and so it was just filthy dirty. And I, was, I remembered this guy was wearing a white jacket. It was fairly new. And uh, we were just ripping on him. We were just, just relentless. Like, seventh and eighth graders can only be relentless. And to his credit, he just sat there and he took it. And, uh, and, and he got up finally to, to leave, to move to another part of the bus because he had had enough. And I'll never forget, as he got up to leave and he walked by the back of the bus, I was sitting right behind him, I put out my foot and I tripped him. Mm. And he fell on the ground. And the image that I still wrestle with today is he stayed there. He didn't even try to get up. Hmm. And I hate the fact that that's part of my legacy. Mm. And that's one of those bot flies that I don't know if I've really ever forgiven myself from. Because I know there's moments in my junior high years that still define me today. And my fear is that somehow that moment defined him in a negative way that maybe he's never been able to get over. Oh, and wow. so if he's listening, first off, I am sorry. Yeah. Like, I am sorry that as a seventh grader, I was such a bully and such a douchebag that I would do something that mean to another human being. And maybe that's part of it is just saying... You know, in your own way, writing it out or whatever, whatever that thing is in your past that's, that's haunting you, that you just were the worst example of who you are on display. To just sit down and say, God, I'm sorry for that. I, I am absolutely sorry. Because here's what I've learned over these 40 year plus years. Satan loves to use those moments to remind you, or maybe not to remind you, but to whisper to you the lie, see, you're unworthy. You don't deserve this relationship with God. Yeah. You don't deserve this um, family that you have. You're just an absolute dirt bag. And then that thought starts to come in and starts to rule my mind. And the next thing you know, I'm starting to deal with depression. I'm starting to deal with anxieties. Yeah. I'm starting to deal with stresses. And that bot fly is starting to infect all of these other things in my life. That's amazing. You know, it, it is funny how the enemy uses, he uses those broken times over and over. I mean, that was seventh grade. That was many years ago, probably almost 30 years ago. Uh, yeah, at least. So, wow. You know, I mean, <laughs> that is a bot fly. That's yeah. crazy. And so today, we want to cast the character of God on you so you're not listening to the lies of the enemy because God came to give the life more abundantly. The enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy. Right. So today's a new day. Today's a day to start over again, to, to move forward from this lack of forgiveness or from those feelings um, that I know are in my life. I mean, I've got, you know, and, and while we're sharing stories right now, and there, there's a guy that I know who, and this is later on in my life, but I just never, in my own mind, seemed to measure up. Right. Does that make sense? Like yep. the golden child of where, where I was. Yeah, like you guys know what I'm talking about. You walk into a place, maybe it's your office, um, you know, and, uh, and that person walks in and you're like, or you were in college and that person just perfect hair, you know. Oh, yeah. All the girls are like, ah, 
You know, like, are you defining me right now? Are you describing me? That's weird. <laughs> that's exactly that's, it. That's weird. I didn't even know I knew you back then. But yeah, it's, I did I was, walk into rooms. I went to the, college with you. <laughs> and the girl swooned. Not at and all. And so, but then here you are seeing all your imperfections and, and the things you don't like about yourself. And, and this person may not even know that you are bothered by them. Like, they may not have ever physically done anything to you, but their presence simply affects you. Right. Because of the the lack of something in you or the way the enemies lied to you and then all of a sudden you have this bitterness towards them you have the and they've root done of the, nothing nothing and, and they're not putting it on you it's completely internal and it is just like this poison that starts to like destroy you from the yes, inside yes and so i i think it's it's us even acknowledging that those exist right so whether you're in your office whether you're your, it's the guy, it's the, whatever, oh, ladies. Dude, it's not even, it, it doesn't even have to be the office now. You know where I struggle with that the most? Freaking Facebook. Facebook and Instagram. Because yeah. Facebook is this, this we, we, we only post the pretty pictures. We only post the exotic Absolutely. pictures. And we're coming into summertime, and Bill and I both work in the church. And I don't know if you know this about church workers. We don't make a lot of cash. Most of us do not make a lot of cash. And so our vacations are often to family or to the quickie mart. Yeah. Where we get a Slurpee or whatever, right? <laughs> and we're like, kids, it's hey on me kids. today. <laughs> and we see these families that we love 24-7 yeah. and we care for. And then all of a sudden they're like at Disney World for the third time that year. And, and yeah. jealousy rears its ugly head in me and I become resentful and I start to, to like internally loathe them. Yeah. And then I play this game of like, why why don't I why don't I get to do that with my family? Why don't I exactly. get to do that? And it just becomes so toxic. And I'm telling you, man, Facebook does that very thing like on steroids. Yeah. For so many people. Yeah. Because we forget they're just posting the best the highlight reel. Yeah. They're they not are. posting the, the dirty laundry. They're not posting the, the the bills and the credit card bills that they're struggling to pay. They're not posting any of that stuff. They're just posting the highlight reel and we I fall into the trap of, of evaluating my own value or my own self-worth or my own success to their highlight reel, which is insanity, but that's what I find myself doing. And I think a lot of people find themselves in that. In that, that oh, boat. yeah. I, I think that actually hits a, strikes a bigger chord than anything at this point is, is when we can scroll through someone's life for 0.3 seconds and make a definition of an, everything about their life. Yeah. And then bitterness ensues. Again, because the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy. He's always going to try to do that. Right. So we want to combat against that today. So we have a God whose character is all about forgiveness. But I don't want to just say that. I want to get some truth behind you. And uh, I want to share this one verse. Daniel 9, verse 9 says, To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him. And so it's this idea of he is, he is a forgiving God. He's a forgiving God. You know, uh, I look through the scriptures and I start to see God's character in so many things. That's cool. I literally flipped to the page. Did you really? I needed to, like the next book. Micah 7, verse 18 and 19. It says, in there, more, more of the character of God, it says, who is like who is a god like you pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance because he does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love in fact some say other versions say you delight to show mercy right god loves showing mercy 
um, you know, just like I said in Daniel 9, God is merciful and forgiving. So the, the, um, the, the, I think the narrative that puts God's forgiveness on display is uh, found in Luke 15. And it's this, the story, and it's a story that we've heard a hundred times. If you've gone to church, you probably preach on it about once a year. Heck, Bill and I have probably talked about it already. It's a story of the prodigal son. And the reason why I love the story is to understand the, the dynamics of what is happening here. So here you have this dad. He has two sons. He's successful at what he does. He has land. He has cattle. He has servants. He has all of this stuff. Now, this is a story that Jesus is telling his disciples and telling his followers. He says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. Okay, so he's setting up this conversation saying, you want to know what what the heart of God looks like? You want to see and know what this is like? Let me tell you the story. So this is a third story that he's telling on this. The first one is about um, a lost coin. The second one is about a lost sheep or vice versa. And the third one is this long narrative of this prodigal son. And so you have this dad. He's extremely successful. He has two sons. And the way that, that it's supposed to happen is that when the father dies, the land is divided, not equally, The oldest son gets more, the younger son gets less, but both are provided for because of the hard work of the father, right? So this younger son has the audacity in his teenage years, it's got to be his teenage years, there's no way it could be in his 30s or 40s, so I'm going to say his teenage years, has the audacity and the gall to come to his father and say, Dad, I want my inheritance now. Now what that is doing culturally is the son is telling Dad, you're dead to me. You are absolutely dead to me. I don't want to be a part of this family. I don't want to be a part of this legacy. I don't want to be a part of any of this. You are dead to me. Give me mine now. It is selfishness and rebellion on display yeah. in spades. Yeah. So dad, in his graciousness, says, all right, son, here you go. Gives it all to him. Son goes off to the Las Vegas of the day. And all of a sudden, what dad starts to see as he's back home is these men who have won or have taken or have bought this land from his son, start to come back and claim it. Could you imagine how hard that would be? This thing that you've worked on, this thing that you've toiled over, this legacy that you've invested in, and all of a sudden your youngest son is off somewhere, not even in communication with you, selling off your legacy. The bitterness that that father could have had, that anger that that father could have had, all of those emotions of like, are you freaking kidding me? And just that hate. And, I, and if it was me, I would have gone as far as saying, I've disowned you. You no longer are my son. Yeah. I'm done. Yeah. But the story continues. But. He sells everything. The son. He finds himself completely broke. He got rid of it all. And, he, he, and he, the only job he can get is to feed the pigs. Now, don't miss the cultural reference that that has for the Jewish people. One of the most unclean animals in the Jewish culture was the pig. It wasn't to be touched. It wasn't to be, like, it's just not a part of it. And here the son is so broken and so spent that his only job is to feed the most unclean animal in the world. And the, the, the kicker is he's feeding that pig better food than what he himself can afford to eat. Yeah, And so he has this broken moment. He goes, you know what? That's it. I'm going to go back and maybe, just maybe, I can become a servant in my father's house. 
And I think that's one of the lies that unforgiveness will tell us that, that, you know, we're no longer worthy. And so we're going to take the martyr role and just kind of go, oh, well, you know, I'll take that servant role. So you can see him walking back, and, and uh, I, I can't imagine what he's thinking about and what he's wrestling with as he's going back to his father, who he disowned and who he told basically in no uncertain terms, you're dead to me, to beg him for a job as a servant. Yeah. The story continues on again. This is God's picture of the heart of the father, the kingdom of God at hand. And it says this in Scripture, as, a fa- as the son was still a far way off, dad I love this part. saw him. Dad didn't have contempt. Dad didn't say, get your shit together, and then we're going to have a conversation. It says this, dad ran to him. Now, again, culturally, we live in, we live in a culture where running is, is, is good. You know, I mean, like, you run a marathon, you run a hundy, whatever it is, and everyone's like, yeah, you're so good, discipline, yay. In that culture. I'll never have a 13.1 <laughs> no. on the back of my. No, no, I'll have a point two, Points. which is about the distance from the couch to the fridge. I have a 0.0, 0 sticker <laughs> on the back of my. Dad runs. That culture, successful men, older men, did not run. They had other people that ran for them. And it says this, dad ran to the son. Yeah. Could you imagine the son who you know he's wrestling with this brokenness, this idea that he blew it, that he's absolutely horrible, horrible, whatever. And he sees his dad running to him. Now, he's probably thinking, oh, geez, dad's going to kill me. Dad's going to punch me. Dad's going to hurt me. Dad is so mad at me. He's coming. So so he probably stops and, and, like, starts to get this defensive posture of, like, okay, if he's coming... And dad runs to him and hugs him. Yeah. Just throws his arms around him. And you can almost see this bear hug of, of just like, oh, my God, you're here. Yeah. You made it back. And son's like, hey, so um, here's my excuse. Here's my, my defense and everything. And dad says, shut, 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 shut up. You were dead. You're alive now. Yep. Let's have a party. And that's the forgiveness of Jesus. That's the forgiveness that Jesus won for us on the cross. It's this idea of that even in our most rebellious, run away from God, he is waiting there for us on the edge of his porch, looking at the horizon, desperately seeking for that moment when we stop yeah. and when we turn and we're like, Dad, I need you. And Dad comes running to us. He doesn't hesitate. He comes running to us. Now, the second part of that story that we often forget is the older son, the faithful son, the son that's been there the whole time. And you know what he starts to deal with? Jealousy. Mm. Whoa, whoa, wait. Why are you giving a party to him? Haven't I been the faithful one? Haven't I been the one that's been here all the time doing what you've asked me to do? Filling in for him? Caring for you when you're sick and when you're hurt and when you're tearful and when you're sad? And all of a sudden you're throwing him a party? And I think it's that illustration again. Whether you are the rebellious son or you've been the faithful son, we both need the forgiveness of our father. That's huge. In fact, it makes me challenge our first thought today to understand that for us to forgive those around us, we need to be willing to accept forgiveness from the Father. Absolutely. And so before we even jump into the how do we forgive other people, I think we need to come to the realization that God is about the rescue. In fact, God shows himself most glorious in the rescue. Right. Because nobody else can do that. Right. There's no one else that can forgive. 
like God can forgive. And so we need to first examine our lives. Maybe that's where we finish this podcast today and say we need to examine our lives where we have not accepted forgiveness. We, we have not. We need to first examine ourselves and ask God forgiveness for the things that we've done and know that he's already going, yep, you're forgiven. But then we have to, we have to actually accept that forgiveness. Right. And stop allowing the enemy to speak that lie into us. Right, right. You know, so a, lo- a lot of times, um, you know, another illustration of forgiveness is um, we have these moments in our lives that, that we kind of do, and, and they're like little stones that we pick up, the, the coffee cup. And we think forgiveness is taking that stone out of our hand and putting it in our pocket. The problem is that stone is still with us, and we're still carrying it. Yeah. That's not forgiveness. Yeah. That's not the forgiveness. The forgiveness that Jesus is talking about and the forgiveness that God is mentioning and, and illustrating over and over again from the Genesis, book of Genesis all the way through the book of Revelation is not that we would take the, the stone out of our hand and throw it in our pocket, but that we would take the stone and lay it at the foot of the cross. Yeah. And then Jesus says, as far as the east is from the west, have I removed your sins and transgressions from you? So he just doesn't leave it at the cross. What he does then is he takes that stone as like Hulk, and he takes it and he throws it as far away from us as possible so that we would never be able to find it or pick it up again. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that I struggle with because Satan keeps wanting to put that stone back in my pocket and keep wanting to remind me, see, you're not all that in a bag of chips. And I'm like, I know that, but Jesus has forgiven me. Yeah. And so I'm a new creation today. I'm a new person today. And every day his grace is new in my life because I need it. I'm never going to be perfect. Yeah. I get that. But he has forgotten it. He's moved on from it. And he is running to me in every moment of my life, hugging and reminding me, dude, you're still my kid. Yeah. You're still my superstar. I still have paintings and, and, and finger art and drawings on my fridge from you. Because you're my kid. Because you're my kid. I think, I think that's what we need to, to almost say. Like, let, let me read this. For, uh, Colossians 1 says in verse 13, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. God has cast forgiveness on us. It is ours to say, God, I need to accept that from you. We can't do anything about forgiving anybody else until we accept that forgiveness from the Father right? and realize that we have been forgiven first because God's goal for us, and we'll talk about this in the next podcast, is to become ministers of reconciliation. Right. But we can't do that until we've been reconciled to the right. Father by accepting the forgiveness that he's given. So guys, if you're involved in a sin, if you're involved in an issue and you're like, I can't forgive, or maybe the underlying thought of, I won't receive forgiveness because you just don't know what I did, that is why the gospel exists. Right, exactly. That is why Jesus on the cross, and we'll, we'll read about it in the next one, talks about the fact that as he's being, now think about this, being whipped, and beaten. I was reading it this morning as I was going through thinking about forgiveness. And as as he was literally accused of something he didn't do, right. made to carry his own cross, he was physically beaten. I mean, destroyed. His body was physically destroyed by men who were mocking him the whole time, making fun of him, calling him a calling him a false a false god. Um and as he's doing all this and he gets up on that and he's on that cross and his words are, forgive them for they don't know what they do. Right. I'm not there yet, but I know that we need to stop and examine ourselves after this podcast. Just stop 
and ask yourself, have I really accepted forgiveness from the Father? Like, I understand this gospel thing. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, let's make this really easy. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Because he's the way, the truth, and the life, he had to make a way for us to receive this forgiveness. John 10 says that he came to give us an abundant life, and the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy. God wants to do great things through you, but it starts with having a relationship with him. So ask those questions. Have I, do I understand that I'm a sinner, that my sin separated me from God, and that when Christ died on the cross, he did it so that we could have a relationship with the Father? And through that, through God's grace that ha- that can be cast on us, we we now have forgiveness. Right, we're His kid. We are the prodigal son who's come home, and the dad's like, "Ah, stop it!" Because there is a point in the in 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 First John that talks about the propitiation for our sins. It's a big word, propitiation. <laughs> we're literally it's God. It's it's like a courtroom, and Jesus stands in front of us, right? So that God's wrath is now taken, and He's going, "Oh, that's my kid." All I see is my kid. Right. I love you. Hey, how you doing? Love you. <laughs> and I know I'm simplifying that, but that's really what it is. Right. He stood in the way to take that, but now it's us to, to accept that forgiveness before we can even think about forgiving others. So Jesus isn't the one that just talks about these great narrative stories. He also lived it out. And I think about the woman who was caught in adultery. And she's brought before him. All these guys have these stones again, and they are ready to stone her because the law says if you're caught in adultery, you die. And yeah. the way that you die is guys throwing rocks at you until you no longer breathe. I can't think of a more painful, horrible way to Long. die. And they are waiting to destroy this woman who's caught in adultery. Jesus bends down, pauses, draws in the dirt. And then at the end of the day, all these guys drop the rock. And he says, who's your accuser? No one. Then neither do I accuse you. Now go and sin no more. So my challenge to you guys today, sometime today, sometime, somehow, some way, go to a coffee shop, go to a bar, I don't care where, take out a piece of paper, take out a napkin, and write down the, the, the stuff in your life, in your past, or that you're currently engaged in. Just write it down. And I want you to make a list, and I want you to be as detailed as possible. Where there's jealousy, I want you to write it down. Where there's lust, I want you to write it down. Where there's greed, I want you to write it down. Write it down. All, and, and here's the deal. The spirit who's in you is going to bring that stuff out if we just pause and say, God, I need to confess some stuff. What do I need to confess? He'll write it down. And then after you finish that list, I want you to take the biggest marker you can find or your pen, and I want you to just scratch in there, forgiven. On, on top of every single one of them, forgiven. Because you need to see you're forgiven from that. Yeah. You're forgiven from that. Not because you deserve it, but because Christ has paid the price and you are now his kid. This is good stuff because either this is all true or it's all a lie. And I know that Travis and myself believe this is all true. All true. God is ready to forgive you. God's son has paid the price for your forgiveness. It's up to you to accept it. We're going to let you wrestle with that for the rest of the day. So let him pull that bot fly out. Have a great day. Bye. Thanks for listening to By Dads for Dads on the Known Legacy Podcast. Look for us on social media under Known Legacy or go to www.knownlegacy.org to stay connected. For booking or questions, email us at info at knownlegacy.org.